0: I'm Susanna Lanier, actor and acting coach for over 25 years. I'm Jess Greenberg, casting director for over 10 years. We're here to help you navigate this crazy, creative, and sometimes chaotic journey into the film and television world.
1: We share our insights as to what works.
0: And invite some pretty spectacular guests to share more ideas to move you on your journey.
1: So without further ado, let's get into the show.
0: Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Carlo Mistroni. He is not only a renowned voice actor and director, he has also appeared in over 50 film and TV projects, working in both English and French.
1: Welcome, Carlo. Hi, Hi.
2: Susanna. Hedges. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing today? Good.
1: Good. Yeah. yeah. We're excited to have you here.
2: I'm happy to be here.
1: Good. Okay. So let's start from the beginning. I read in a few
2: places
1: (laughs) (laughs) that your mom was really pushing you to practice your storytelling abilities. So I sort of Mm -hmm. want to know, what does that look like in a kid, in young Carlo? What is this storytelling that you
2: had? Uh, yeah, that's that's an uh, interesting question. I um, my mom did put me into acting when I was probably about nine years old mm-hmm. um and uh, eight or nine years old and she just said that I just love stories and storytelling and and changing voices when I was reading and inventing stories um and uh I still do it now with my daughter like I'll say give me give me two characters in a place and we'll invent a story, you know hey, so cool. we, we invent a story and um. Uh, she's getting a little old for that now, but yes, when she was, <laughs> when she was younger. So uh, so I was always into storytelling, and my mom just saw that and and said, you know what, let's try some acting classes. And uh, I went to – she brought me to Children's Theatre Montreal. Yeah. And there was Dorothy Davis and Violet Walters who were heading that, and a teacher that I had, Marc Degagne. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So I was the only – one of the few boys – in the neighborhood who was doing theater at the time and uh, she also put me into other arts endeavors which was great and um my brother was very into sports and i was very into the arts wow so that's how it began and uh, felicia shulman who another great you know actress in montreal sent me a photo this weekend of a picture of me in a production of pinocchio when i was 10 years old wow that was in a book uh about montreal theater i was like wow. oh my god yeah.
0: That's Ooh. right. We have that story from Sid that his first show was Pinocchio. Yes. Do you want to say yeah. that story, he told us that story, but say it again. It's a great story.
2: Well, I think that, uh, you should tell it because Sid Sid's told it to me. Um <laughs> okay. but you know That's right. I, You're, you weren't
0: yeah. you experiencing it. You're yeah. actually just playing it. Yeah. He, he the first show he went to was Pinocchio at Place des Arts. Was that it? Place des Arts?
2: I don't know. Was it possible? It may have been. Yeah. But it was like a big show. It was a big show. It wasn't a little
0: thing. And he went there and it inspired him to start wanting to do direct performance. He's like, I want to do that. I want to make that. And then lo and behold, years later, he finds out that you were (laughs) Pinocchio.
2: Yeah. We worked together on a play. And as we were working together on the play, at a certain point, he looked at me and he's like, Huh, did you. Did you play Pinocchio? <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, that's a, that's a deep cut." And he was like, well, "That's what got me into this." Yeah, so, uh, crazy. Yeah, it's yeah,
0: crazy. I thought it was ex- well. Listen, the community in Montreal is so small, but I
2: just it is
0: very cool that you inspired Sid on his trajectory.
1: So I think it's pretty. Yeah, cool. it's very, and
2: we worked together. You know, uh, thirty years after that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you were how how old again? You said you were twelve. I started at
2: eight, yeah. and when I did Pinocchio, I was ten. Okay, so it was 1983. Imagine yeah, so like do the a 10 year old, just turned 50. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, but a yeah. 10 year old inspiring someone to pursue directing. Like, yeah,
2: I'm yeah. Crazy. Another another kid too, because Sid's the same age about yeah. So uh, yeah, and uh, and it's it's amazing to see there's uh, certain people from children's theater who are still out there um, working either as actors or directors. So it's nice to see. And I've been very fortunate that the people who've been around me either in Sejep, or in those years, for some reason, those people have continued in the profession, uh, quite a few of them, which is pretty rare.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you continue on. Is it mainly like theater and drama class while you're a kid? Or did you start booking commercials and voice? I
2: started doing commercials. I started doing a lot of dubbing. When I was around 10, I started dubbing as well. And uh, then when I was 13, I became a teenage boy and let the arts go because okay. it wasn't fitting with uh, my my life at that point as a teenage boy who, who yeah. knows too much right and uh, so so I left the arts for a few years and then um, when I got to Sejep, I thought that I was going to go into the sciences and in my first semester I took a complimentary course in theater and uh, the teacher who was there a man named Fred Ward who was uh, at Dawson at the time I said I need to go use the washroom so I went up to the washroom and as I l- Came out of the washroom, he was standing in the hallway, he'd left his class, and he says, What are you going to do with the rest of your life? I was like, "Uh, I don't know, engineer, doctor, not sure. And he goes, No, you're going to be an actor. Wow. I was like, Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, He's like, You got to do this. All right. Thanks very much. Why don't we get back to class? (laughs) And sure (laughs) enough, I switched from from science to creative arts, Uh, kept going in creative arts absolutely loved it spent all my time in the tv studio at Dawson um, taking theater classes as well dance classes music anything I could do I, I could do in the arts and um went to York theater after that for a year was not enamored uh with with that that type of schooling I liked their first year that touched on everything which touched on lighting and costume design and performance and and history um, but it wasn't a great match for me. So I left again and then went back to sciences. Right. Worked in healthcare for 10 years, got a degree in biochemistry. And as I was working in a private healthcare company, um, I just missed auditioning. And a friend of mine, um, who you all know, yes, uh, yes, who's an agent now, who's at Cameo, the same week that I decided that I wanted to start auditioning again, she was starting as an assistant agent and yeah. called me up. She goes, "I don't know this is a you know shot in the dark, but maybe would you want to start acting again?" So it was really kind of kismet. Yeah. Came back together um, and started working together, and we've been. I had no since.
0: idea. So cool. Karin yeah. was the one who sort of nudged you to get back into the game.
2: Well, Karin called, like I said, the, the week that I yeah. you know had the conversation of I want to I want to give this a go again. Um, she called me and said, uh, you know, I'm starting as an assistant agent. So it's just,
0: wow, that's so synchronicity, like putting it out there and then all of a sudden being open to receive it.
2: And that was We love that. We love woo-woo stories. (laughs) It was, it really was that kind of moment. (laughs) Like, ah, sure, uh, strange that you should call.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Has has (laughs) the sciences, having a background in sciences, has it helped you as an actor?
2: I think having a background in anything does mm-hmm. help because it makes for you know for a well-rounded person, and it, and it makes for for the ability to step outside of the world of theater sometimes and and see things from a different perspective. So I think it's helped me a lot. um it, I definitely have never really used it. Have you been <laughs> cast a as a unless, doctor? I, that's what I was going to say. Unless yes. I, you know, I've been cast as a physician a few times, yeah. and that's helped me with the with the lingo and everything else. I was totally fine in the lingo Um, but you know it's been limited as far as it helping but it's been it's great to be well-rounded it's great to have that experience Um, I feel that it's something that kind of fed any type of research that I do Um, having the experience I think the experience the best experience that I had through all that process I worked four years in an emergency room at the Jewish General Mm -hmm. as a unit coordinator and uh, that process of seeing humanity and seeing people who are trying to help people and also the people who need the help and the environment of the families and the interactions. I think that was an incredible source of, uh, of, of, of inspiration sometimes of characters and, and seeing, you know, really how people interact in, in those life and death situations and, and, um, harsh situations for individuals.
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow.
2: So I yeah. think that really informed a lot of of how I, I approach scenes and and uh, try and delve into the human aspects of things.
0: And also, I hate to say it, but I also find a work ethic. People who have come from different backgrounds who decide to go into acting a little mm. later after they have had other professions, they seem to be so focused and organized and they know what they need to do. And yeah us who started at <laughs> acting school, we're all like, la, 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 pick me, you know, but it's not quite as like directed. That's what I really find. And well, I, it's interesting because
2: you? we have that conversation, katrina and I often, and, um and for me, from the beginning, it was clear that this was a business. Yeah. This was a, you know, you have to have goals, you have to have a plan. um Sometimes your plan is based on how many productions are going to be casting someone who fits your description for that year so you are limited in that sense but you still have to have a plan to move forward you have to have goals for the year um i've got excel spreadsheets of different. Oh, you know my like, that's yeah. amazing
0: share <laughs> yeah. sure, share
2: yeah, so and so at the end of each year I, I look at you know what my goal was and also um where Uh, I'm having the most uh, success. So, you know, if I'll look at commercial voice, that'll be one block, then I'll look at something else that's dubbing, animation. So each one has a category. And then I look at the end of the year, percentage wise, what that was for the year. And then I'll, I'll see how much effort I'm putting into specific things. And sometimes, you know, I put lots of effort in one section that's not paying dividends. So I will adjust for the next year. And uh Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That's what I'm thinking about doing. And Jess and I are going to be creating something (laughs) like that and trying to market it for people with their agenda. We've been talking about that to get organized, mostly for myself, but but then we'll also try to. Share it with other people, (laughs) Um, but exactly that to try to get organized. And this is a business. This is a career that we have more agency than we think. Um, But you do have to kind of think forward. Sometimes you don't look. There's been a strike. It's quiet. Yeah, I love that. I love your Excel spreadsheet. I love that organizational um, brain and thinking of it as a business. Maybe
2: rebalance things because uh, when I. There's so much effort I think that all of us put into um, film and TV, and and you know we are we are a an environment where there's a lot of uh, service productions. You know we're a service studio for productions that come in, and we put so much effort into those auditions and time. But often, you know, you're going to be shooting for one, two, three, four, five days. Um, so it's not necessarily going to be your main. Source of revenue for the year,
0: right?
2: Uh, but you put so much effort into those auditions, it's so much time and concern. So just just mentally knowing what they're worth to you overall, and yes, potentially it's you know for for future work and and to to raise you know again from the business perspective to raise your stock in the field. Yeah, um, but at the same time, it allows you to step back and go, oh yeah, okay, so this is important. I'll do the work, but I'm not going to invest so much energy and so much anxiety into them um because the return is not as great as you would think it is compared to other things
0: right yeah no i think that's uh, that's good advice and it's funny don ford had given me a similar type of advice i was having a hard time with my acting career and i was complaining she's Mm -hmm. like how's the teaching going and i'm like the teaching's going great she's like so why don't you put more energy there i was like Oh, you could do. Yeah. <laughs> like Absolutely, do that. that's it. You know, and it's kind of exactly what you're saying cuz yeah. cuz yours is more sort of your category to actually see cuz sometimes we don't really know what, how much energy or anxiety or effort yeah. we're putting in somewhere, and then after when we can actually see it, we're like, Oh, did that make sense? <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And so, yeah. I, I love those, you know, spreadsheets and writing it it's out. been very helpful.
2: And for everyone, it's different, right? For some people, it might be put that effort into film and TV, put that effort into theater, put that effort wherever. But for me, you know, I i found that for myself, uh, video games, voice were the two things that I wanted to focus on, yes. and where I put more of my effort
0: right and also carlo that's a skill set that you have that's what also is there like some people they have more of a skill set let's say for film and tv or theater and maybe less for voice like you definitely have a strong skill set for a uh, voice so that makes sense but if you know like you want to do it you know it's busy in the city but it's just not something that you you know book all the time that maybe yeah. that's not where you want to necessarily put all your energy Exactly exactly kind of know thyself too
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so what so what came first was it like the planning or sort of like a few years of doing a lot of things and then it's like okay let's focus here and like let's lay it out in this there
2: was an initial plan my initial plan starting off when I came in again I I was coming from the the business world if you will because I was in healthcare, but uh, I was in the emergency room for four years and then I switched into uh, a private company a, a medical devices company And uh, I was a clinical specialist for them. I go all over the world, and um, and so I saw different aspects of business. And I was like, okay, so I want to make I want to make this work. Where where can we focus our energy in Montreal if we want to try and make a a go at it in um, as an actor? Um, That is a viable industry. And at that time, it was voice work and video games, which was you know pretty much the beginning of video games too, because that was two thousand and three, two thousand and four. Right. Um, so I focused managing on video games and voice and just kept auditioning for everything going out for everything. I remember biking across the city for the potential to have an audition. Like it right. wasn't even that you you know, it's like sure. if you get there, maybe they'll be able to see you and it's like, Yep, no problem. Let's go, you know, audition for anything. And, um, and just keep chipping away until until a place was made. And slowly building up the reputation in that industry. But that was clear for me. It was video games and voice to start off with, and then all the rest was going to be auxiliary to that. Okay. And Sometimes that the other aspects were what were what were better. But I mean, the the first couple of years are always very difficult. And after about uh, after I'd say it took about three four years to start being able to have enough <laughs> um, information um, to make decisions. Right. Of where to put energy right, right. to try
0: yeah. i think i think listen i gathering do...
1: your research yeah, yeah exactly
2: gathering. so that's what I was, I was like I was, being, sorry, I was. I didn't want to talk about data and analysis
1: because it's <laughs> very scientific
2: <laughs> it's all the background yeah. yeah
1: but that's what it is like if it is not, it's it's the yeah. data it's
2: the analysis of the data and seeing it afterwards what works for me yeah. what do i enjoy where am i putting a lot of effort and not getting much return and where am i getting nice return for the effort that i put in yeah. And the, and and what's what works for me as far as an individual,
0: right? And then what works for you and your family? Jess. Exactly. And I discuss that too, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, you t- I remember.
1: Yeah. I remember you told me one time that, like, you told you promised your wife that, like, you're only committing to one theater project. Yeah. Right yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting, you know. And I always think about artists in a family and like what mm-hmm. that looks like. And so if you want to, like, talk a bit more about that.
2: Yeah, that happened because um, my daughter had just been born. And for some reason that year, um, I had booked three theater projects back to back. Wow. And I was, I think, a week and a half into the first of the three and came home and said, I am so sorry. Right. Um, This is not easy uh, on anyone. So I've committed to these three. So I do have to do them. But we've got to figure out how this can work. And we came to the understanding that one theater production a year uh, would be okay, particularly when a daughter was younger. uh, But more than that was just too much. Yeah. So you know, if I was lucky enough to get cast in something uh, that year, then great. But I would never try and do multiple projects because it's it's too time consuming.
1: Yeah, Yeah. especially with a newborn. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> With it, Well, that's it. With a young child, it's very, very difficult. It's, yeah. it's a tough profession because, you know, you're rehearsing six days a week and then you're getting into tech weeks um, and so you're doing other contracts during the day and going to the theater at night. So it can be uh, very time consuming and demanding and it puts a lot of onus on your partner. Yeah. So we had that conversation and I was like, yep, absolutely. <laughs> that's a good deal. I'll take it. Yeah. So it was one one play a year.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, that's good.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. It's true. Now, with the voice directing, do you travel a lot still? Because at one point you were doing a lot of gigs directing in Toronto, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. I was. Uh, it was almost it was almost commuting to Toronto for a while. I remember I was, that we had yeah. this
0: conversation, mm-hmm. so it just brought me being away from the family. So, so I was doing good. a lot of
2: directing where I'd fly in on a flight at six thirty in the morning, and then would direct for the day, and then come back the same night. And, um, again, that became onerous on the family. And so this was pre-pandemic. We had conversations of, uh, well, with established actors, actors that we know, why don't we start doing um, remote sessions? Right. So, and it was at the time when not many remote sessions were being done necessarily. So we started doing remote sessions and it worked out really well. So when the pandemic arrived, it wasn't any really new for me right, uh, right. we were doing so remote sessions right. before so it was working out really well and it uh it made a difference yeah tra- traveling that much within a period it was about two years where i was doing some traveling to toronto um to la and and then doing the work here as well so it takes it takes a lot it takes a toll
0: yeah traveling. now all the directing now you love directing, right? But do you acting? No, you're doing a lot of directing, right? Are you still doing acting and voice acting and all that? So
2: I would say that directing has never been more than 30% of my year.
0: Oh, for some reason, I thought yeah. that was like now your thing. No, you know? no. Okay. And it's,
2: that's been a conscious effort. And it's also been something again, you know, we're talking about priorities and, and focusing. It was very important to me to make sure that when I am directing with certain companies and projects that uh, we have the conversation of I'm an actor first. I'm okay. happy to be a director and happy to be on your projects. Uh, and I love being a director. I think it's a great, great role. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love it, too, because I know what the actor is going through.
1: Yeah. I know
2: what's happening on the other side. So the position for me is just almost like an assistant to performance, right? So going in, getting the information from the team and assisting that actor. And I feel like I'm I'm up at the mic with every single actor is okay. there and not in, not in the way that some I feel some directors are is like oh, I feel like I'm there because I could do it better no <laughs> not at all it's like I'm here to assist you to get the best performance possible yeah. because I feel I, I I get what you're going through and sometimes you know going through and I was like okay you just had a little hesitation I could hear you thinking about the next time how did you hear that it's like right. I, I can tell like I'm going through the same process that you are as we're going through this so I do absolutely love it. But it's been very important for me um, to maintain the acting side and the right. acting aspect and to make sure that uh companies are aware that uh that yes, I'm a director, but I'm also first and foremost an actor. Yeah. And that's a that's a continuing process for everyone because it's easy. The directors get brought onto a project earlier and for a more extended period of time. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes it's happened for sure that I've missed out on acting gigs because I was directing a project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are, you know, there are times that I've missed out on things, but it's, yeah, it's, but 30%, I think, has been my max as far as directing.
1: Okay. I trust you on your percentages. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> Me too. His I, is I good. know it's all there. I trust. I can
2: them. see the pie chart. It's right there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I love it.
0: So busy. Oh, that's so gonna, cool. We're putting yeah. a pie chart in our uh, agenda. <laughs>
2: okay,
0: pie charts. Yeah. We, we need to, because I've got much. the bar
2: graphs by year and then the pie chart for oh the year. Gosh. And the, yeah.
0: You gotta yeah. send it to us. We're gonna so compare <laughs> year over year
2: and oh, yeah. also internally throughout the year.
0: Yeah. I love it. I love so, it. Yeah,
1: I mean, for also for those like who are listeners who don't know, like you so you're an actor first, but you also direct, you also have done casting before yeah so
2: throughout the last 20 years uh i started off as an actor and then um as i was working and coming into the video game world i was lucky enough to to break into the video game world and then i was part of the first group of actors to come in on an actor contract doing mocap and um so i developed my relationship with uh, ubisoft at that time and after a little while working with them i they had asked me to be a voice director the first, you know, first, I would say two years that they were asking me, I kept saying, no, not yet. Not yet. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I want to be ready. I want to feel like I've got the the foundation for it. And then after a couple of years, I was like, oh, yeah, I think I can do this now. Yeah. So, you know, and I approached a couple of the other established directors and said, you know, what do you think? And they said, yep, I think that's great. Go for it. And so that I've been voice directing for for games for over 10 years for sure. And then uh, did some uh, performance capture directing and mocap directing during the years as well. And uh, while I was working with them, I was also brought on sometimes as a casting consultant. Okay. So there were different teams. uh, They were going through a casting process. And at one point somebody asked me, hey, would you be interested in working with this team throughout the casting process, you know, going over the scripts, um, helping choose the actors. You will be voice directing afterwards. So it became part of the team. And I, I've got to say, I think that was the, the most rewarding process because from the beginning to the end, yeah. um, I could see the actors. We could we could uh, massage the scripts to get the best audition as well, which was super fun to be able to go, oh, I think that we're not hitting those points. If we're try, trying to get this characteristic for the actor, maybe we can just change this little bit of of the script so that we can see that relationship, so small things like that. And uh so, did some casting there um, in games, and we do casting for for voice in games all the time, right? Uh, because sometimes they just call up the directors and say, "Great, so do you have suggestions?" Yeah, so right. We send our suggestions, or we go through the casting process. uh Game on is, has has uh, I've worked for them as well as a casting consultant. And um, and for the last four years or so, uh, I've been working as a dubbing director for um, projects at Diffuse. And Amazing, yeah. yeah.
0: Because it's getting busier now. We had I saw Simon Peacock said it's tenfold. It was
2: ten yeah four
0: years ago. yeah, yeah which is incredible. Very exciting. well. The
2: pandemic kind of pushed things forward a little bit because I think that you know nobody was going into production, so right. they had to take the productions that they did have in foreign languages and dub them. Uh, so that they could have more uh, more films and uh, more media for people. so that helped the dubbing world in Montreal and we also have a specialty like we right. are we are built for dubbing because of yeah. the whole French English. Uh, we've been dubbing here for ages and we know how to do this well. So we're specialized in dubbing and uh, Netflix recognized that.
0: Uh. Yeah, it's great. It's great for a city because there ain't much happening. So at least we get a little <laughs> bit of a buzz there. We're like, there's you know, it's, I, I
2: hear that from, from, from everywhere though. Like, you know, I hear when I go to Toronto, I hear the same thing. And when I, you know, it seems like every city feels that way. And I think it's true. I think that there is less going on. There are less projects. Um, so yes, it's great to have the dubbing. It's just such a, it's it's a difficult industry to maneuver just in general, you know, the arts mm-hmm. and, and acting. Um, so we are lucky to have that in the city, yes.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you, how do I say this, pivot your goals according to what's happening in the city? Do you know what I mean? Like there's a strike now. There's not going to be as much film and television. Are you going to move more into, or now you're more into dubbing from video games? Like, Yeah,
2: I mean, that? I will uh, in the sense that, it you know, it, it frees up availability um mm-hmm. from different sectors when other things are happening. Okay. So so definitely I will try and, and adjust and say okay well I'm not going to be doing any american productions for the next little while. Right. So yes we'll take that directing job or yes we'll take this other job that's happening because there's no there's no chance for the for those other potential gigs. Um but there's still times as a director that recently I was asked to direct a, a big project for for Netflix, and uh, there was a role in it that I felt that I I could do, and I I've never wanted to put myself in my own projects at right. all. So I spoke with them, and from the beginning, like I said, that conversation of actor first, then director. Um, they said, "Okay, you're always welcome to audition for the project, um, but know that you know if if you get this project, you lose the entirety of the directing." It's like, yep. That's fair. Right. So I I auditioned for it. I didn't get it. And uh, and you're and, directing, you know, it. Uh, no, you an directing it. No, oh, I'm not directing it. And I not. couldn't I couldn't oh, no, could because have. I I made the decision at that point. I'd rather audition for it
1: oh, and wow.
2: lose the direction okay. than then have the guaranteed direction for, for
1: yeah. two
2: two months. Right.
1: Uh, well, I think this is it's so interesting and it's great example because I always say on the podcast, like actors really need to like have a goal and have an intention of like what they want. And I think this is like an amazing example of like, you're an actor first. So that is Mm. always your intention with everything you do. And um, it becomes clear. And it's also almost like easier to make decisions because that's what's like, your northern star like you know what I mean so it's like it makes decision making a bit easier it almost gives you a bit more freedom because it's like you know what your intention is so
2: I know what my intention is I know what my my primary goal is I also I also know like I'm very conscious of the fact that uh, we have uh, we have a difficult profession it's tough to make those decisions as to um, you know, art versus the fact that we need to also make a living and that it is a business and everything else. So I'm very conscious of that factor. I've i i i came into this wanting to be an artist, but not wanting to be a starving artist. Right. So that is my north. Star. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I'm going to be Fair. honest, yeah. it's to be there to create the best art possible, to have um to make a career as an actor, um, but uh, to do it in a way that it's viable, to do it in a way that uh, I also feel like I'm providing, you know, a home for my family and a a good, uh, comfortable life. Yeah. So that's my North Star. So there are times where I will have to make that decision and go, you know what, I'm going to take this job because it does, it's going to provide for me for the next little while. Yeah. Um, So Yeah
1: and on it like and that's the thing too is like i don't think that needs any like justification or like guilt like it's just that is life and you know yeah. like you gotta yeah. do what so i don't think there i don't think we should have starving artists i think people have
2: to. i, I don't think free. so either and i don't think that it's a necessity i think that you know so there are times where i will do plays for free because i really enjoy the play but i'm i also know that i've been able to to create a certain uh cushion for a little while, be doing other work. So, so there's that balance that always happens. Uh, yeah. You know, if someone says uh, this is the plan, I look at it. I'm like, this is fantastic. I really want to do this. Yeah, I I have the option to do it. Right. And yeah, it's beautiful. And, which is amazing. Which <laughs> yeah. to me is amazing. And it's the the what I wanted to have was that that option, not uh not having to take things, being able to give myself um a little bit of leeway so that I can take the opportunities that come.
0: Yeah, it's very exciting. It sounds like when you talk about it, Carlo, you're in a position now after you've worked super hard at it for many years where you were able to design a lifestyle that suits you and your family and things that sounds are may, are offered to you. Like, is that how it is? Or are you like? No,
2: make, I mean, oh, yeah, yes and no. Like, I will create that. I've created that environment. But at the same time, I feel like anyone else that um, it's always a hustle. There's never, there's never a, there's never been a year where I've been able to say, Oh, that was easy. (laughs) I think I've set up. uh, This is, it's paid dividends now. So yes, things have paid dividends for sure. But every single year is a hustle. And, you know, I think every artist too, at a certain point, you start questioning yourself and you say, Am I still relevant? right um, am i still someone that they're going to come see are there new people coming in under you who are more relevant right now um you know there's all those questions happen at any time you know when you're younger you're like will i make my spot and then you get to a point and you're like okay i've got my spot i got to keep my spot
1: <laughs> and then
2: you know you've got your spot you've had it for a while it's like okay well i've had my spot for a while they're gonna you know so is someone going to push you out of it so there's always a concern and there's always a hustle and there's always a decision making process um, that can be difficult and you never know whether or not you're making the right decision. So, right. so there's never, there's never been a time where I've been able to sit back and just go, I've got this. I'm good.
0: Right. Here yeah. it comes,
2: I've made right. my decisions and I've happened, you know, it's, it's worked out well, knock on wood. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's worked out well. Um, but, uh, I don't sit on my laurels.
0: Right. Yeah. Now you work equally in both French and English. Is that right? Uh, exactly? I would
2: do. Uh, I would say no. I would say it's uh, probably about twenty uh, percent in French, eighty percent in
0: okay. English. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I just had in- the
2: pleasure of dubbing myself in French in a movie that I shot last year. Which oh, nice! So much That's fun. Yeah. Oh, cool! Yeah. Yeah. A zombie Congrats. movie coming out next spring. Oh. So.
1: Tanisha too. She just told yes, me she's dubbing exactly. Herself. Tanisha. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Tanisha's in it as well.
1: That's so yeah. fun. And Tanisha also dubbed herself? Yeah. Oh, nice. Or she is dubbing herself. herself. She, yeah.
0: Very cool.
1: Yeah.
2: One that of the much- best experiences on set. So much fun. The
1: zombie movie?
2: Yeah. You think, you know, it's all, it was blood all over the place and gore and everything. <laughs> but everybody was laughing and smiling <laughs> and just going, oh my God, it's disgusting. More blood. Come on. You know, it's just yeah. it a fantastic experience. Great team
1: wild do you have a preference or like uh of like... english or french no more like yeah. um mocap to voice to tv film theater or it's like just <sighs> i
2: really i really love it all i will say that i i the my first love now is performance capture and being mm-hmm. in the mocap volume just okay. feels like home okay um, nice it feels you know whenever i go there uh you know and you get to know a lot of the people it's it's a very controlled environment um i spent many many years in lycra so it's just (laughs) yeah
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. it it felt uh it feels really natural to me it's such an unnatural world but it feels very natural to me so i would say mocap and performance capture and then um voice work being in a voice studio for me was something, like I said, I started when I was about 10 doing voice work. Yeah. Right. So coming back to voice work just felt uh, like going back to the womb in a lot because <laughs> it's, it's like, like an comfort. isolation chamber, right? You put right. on your headphones and you're all alone. Uh, but I love that feeling. I love that feeling of being in, yeah. in a booth, in a studio and picking up the, you know, there's a, a granularity to voice work. There's a very specific thing that you have to try and get whenever you're doing it and you can hear it. There's no there's no artifact. You can't hide it. So in voice work, it's very, it's fun to go in and really do a deep dive to try and get that granularity.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. know how to control your voice and that, like, and to have the ear for it and then be able to do it. Right.
2: I mean, if there's a disconnect too. And, and directing as well. Sometimes like I, if I'm working with another director, I just put my hand and I put myself in their hands completely. I don't yeah. want to be second guessing um if I'm but sometimes I'm still listening to myself going okay I can change this I can adjust this I get what they're saying but I'm going to add this layer as well um just to pick up those there's like minutia in voice work that you have to you you have to create lift and energy and and environment just with your voice and there's ways to do that there's ways to to access that by by creating the imagery in your mind and so it's just making those things clear
0: yeah so do do you have any advice for um emerging actors starting out now what would you say
2: um i would say i mean i'll 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 preface this with the fact that uh you know we've been teaching the uh, the actor video game workshops i'm so happy you're saying that there was nothing like that when i started right the reason why you know simon uh, and randy uh, simon peacock and randy dennis Who was an actor at the time they approached me and asked me if i wanted to do it and i was like yes Mm -hmm. yes this is what we need we need this because young actors need to have access to that type of information because otherwise you're just learning on the fly and you're making your mistakes as you're going through the process which makes it take that much longer so um so my my advice to any actor is always invest in yourself right take those workshops go in, don't assume that, you know, yeah. I, I don't think I'll learn on the fly. If you can get a workshop and it's going to, it might cost you some money. Um, go and take it. And yeah. learn. I still go to workshops. I still take workshops. Uh you, know, and, uh, you know, and, you know, if I'd, I've had people i have run into students at workshops, it's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, and learn, same as you, I'm still an actor. Yeah. I'm still learning. I'm still doing, you know, I'm still in the same process. It doesn't mean you don't attain a a peak as an actor. You keep going. You keep evolving. Yeah. So I would say invest in yourself. Take those workshops. If there's anything that you want to take as a workshop, take it. Um, Invest in your photos. Invest in your demos. um, Because as actors, again, we're talking about the business before, and I've had this conversation many times and on the French side as well. uh, We do not have overhead. We do not have you know, a rent that we need to pay uh, right. for a space necessarily, right? We, we, we have our homes, of course, but uh, we're not, we don't have a, a boutique on the street. Um, right. We, and we don't have inventory. So we're able to say, you know, our, our, where we need to put our money and our investment is in ourselves. Yeah. So, so keep yourself in shape,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: get yourself to any workshop that looks interesting for the work that you want to do. Yeah. Prepare your demos, make sure that they're good quality. Get your photos and and put yourself out there. Right. If you have all those things in place, there are people now who who I know who are great actors. And I've said, I cannot cast you because you do not have a demo.
1: Right. Right. Especially in. Well a no,
2: but you know the work that I do. Like, yeah. But if I'm working with a company who's in who's in China, that's in <laughs> China and they say, Great, can you give me selections? Sure. Here are the demos of the people I would suggest. Yeah. If you do not have a demo, I can't suggest you. Right so invest in yourself put those things in place make sure that it's accessible make sure that you can send them off make sure that they're on a the website um so that if anyone needs to get that information to see your your video demo um it's there and you can keep updating them yeah you know? so we worry sometimes that we're not putting out the best work uh there's that perfectionistic mentality and yeah you know I've succumbed to that as well but you you put out what you can at that moment. And when you get new material, you put it in, you know, and as yeah. you progress, you put it in and you and you keep changing it. So that would be my advice, you know, is that's great is keep up yourself. with
0: your materials and and invest in yourself
2: and invest in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I want to I'm going to add on that. And I say it anyways, every, every episode. But it's just that the actual workshops like I took the dubbing one. I've taken mm. one with Sid and Daniel Pichot are so cheap because they're mm-hmm. subsidized. They are yep. amazing. I am dying to take the video game one, but yep. it, last time I think it was 18 to 35. I wasn't it, it was a different age category. That's changed
2: now within the last I think last year <laughs> or maybe maybe the last two years they did change that because again it is subsidized by Emploi Quebec. I know. And and it was really the mandate of it is to make sure that when we're bringing people in there are people who would be able to fit into the pipeline right. for the needs right. of the industry right you know, yeah so so there's there's some things that feel frustrating in that as far as a decision process but there's 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 a reason behind it
0: right right yeah. but uh yeah so if if people well people will be listening Those subsidized, keep checking in with Actra because you ain't going to get workshops at those prices. No, I think the the dubbing
2: one was 50 bucks. Is that right?
0: 50 bucks. I've already (laughs) gotten five contracts from it. Like it is the best the Mm -hmm. teachers carlo you taught one right or yeah i
2: just taught the one in october
0: amazing like the best and we get to work with directors who will potentially cast us like there's nothing better than that too like i'm an acting teacher so yes everybody i want you to come to my class but i'm Mm. not subsidized and i'm not a director so (laughs) i know great sell great but i'm really nice and we do great work (laughs)
2: <laughs> i you know but. i know great things of your workshop susanna so oh
0: yeah thank yeah. you and i'm not i'm not downplaying myself i i think my work is great but if like you're on a limited budget man get those actual ones because they are absolutely just the best yeah. they're yeah. the best and they're cheap as you cannot get cheaper and they're just phenomenal it,
2: it's they're interesting awesome. too and and uh in the past, when I started uh, way back, I would call up in Toronto and say, hey, if I put together a workshop, and I got 10 students in Montreal, would you come to Montreal to to give a workshop? Yeah. And um, I, had, I had tried with a few different people. And every single one of them had a little bit of a snicker and said, you won't get 10 people in Montreal. And wow. I was like, what? And they're like, and they said, in Toronto, no problem, we get people who who are investing in their careers. Um, but they tried to do workshops in Montreal before and got no traction. Wow. Um, and it was surprising to me. And I, and I was like, what is like, I don't know what the difference is. And I can't speak to what the difference is. But I remember at the time, hearing that and going, okay, well, I don't know what the difference is. But that's unfortunate. And I think that it needs to change. I think people need to, like I said, invest in themselves, and make sure that those workshops are happening in Montreal as well. Yeah. Because the better workshops we get here, the better it is for everyone.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you for that.
1: Yeah. I don't know if the curriculum in theater school has changed, but I've seen theater kids audition for film and TV, and it is very different. And <laughs> so if you're graduating from theater school, you need yeah. to on-camera workshops yes, you that do it's a very <laughs> different thing yeah it is
2: you get people coming we've had the experience of people coming out of theater school and then getting to a game audition or to an on-camera audition and going okay could you just slate and we'll start the scene can I can I what yeah it's like oh so's gone through three years, years. of school and yeah. you were you don't know what a slate is yeah so it's like hmm okay yeah
0: yeah Cause it does. It, it, people will notice it, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, they, cause they can't be a professional if they don't know what the word slate means. Like
2: it's just, well, that's, that's it. Like so, I mean, take those one on one. camera on on, yeah. on on camera workshops to make sure that you know that industry and the vernacular for that particular industry as well. Yeah. 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 They, it surprised me, you know, and it's not to disparage any of, of, of those schools cause they've got great stuff that's going on, but it was just surprising that time. It's like, well, no, you, they went through a professional program but they didn't know what that what slating was and that was very surprising
1: and in a way it's not their fault right it's it's, not at all but that's also why like I think there's like I guess you call it etiquette or like things in every discipline you know in theater in film and tv in mocap in voice like there's different little things that that happen and those workshops teach you those things. And yeah, the base, the, the base is
2: the same. I mean, whether we're acting for film, uh, TV, theater, or or games, the the base is the same, but it's learning to act for that specific medium and how it's being captured. Yeah. And, and also learning, like I said, the vernacular for that particular field, because it will be different. It might mean the same thing, but they might use two different terms for it you know in in motion capture we said we're going into the volume we're not going to the sound stage but other people might know sound stage but not volume so it's just it's the same area it's just different words
1: yeah do you have any book the room style stories like where you go in for an audition and um you didn't get that particular part but then you know it could be a year later 10 years later that director, that producer remembered you and they're like, oh, you'd be great for this. And I remember you in that. And
2: Hmm, I'm I'm wondering, I mean, I've, obviously, there's a bunch of stories from different audition, pro, you know, different process in theater that happens quite a bit where you've someone seen you in a play. So then, you know, they bring you in many years later and they're like, yeah, I saw you in this. You're like, oh, my God, that was seven years ago. It's like, yeah, it was amazing. And this fits. I've been looking something, you know, for something for you. Um, I do remember many years ago, I uh, did a film that came to, to Montreal. The director really wanted me to do the part. One of the producers wasn't sure. Another producer was sure. So I kept auditioning and I kept auditioning, kept <laughs> auditioning. and then kept going into into the the audition room going, why am I going in again? Like, what is what is the, Okay. And kept getting, you know, the director coming over afterwards going, this is yours, man. This is yours. This is great. And, and then and seeing someone in the back of the room going, no
0: no, it's not my guy
2: I was like I uh, I don't know and so I mean I tell the story more just like just keep doing your best work because you never know how it's going to go yeah and I think it would have been easy to get frustrated because there was you know you you had the person who 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 was not as enamored who was not there texting doing whatever and then you had the other person going see see this is the person this is the person and um And finally, uh, on one of the last days, I was just like, I think it was, I think it was the fourth audition. And going in after I did it, I was just like, (laughs) is there something that you're not getting? Is there something you really (laughs) want to see? Because I'm not, I'm not clear. And the director was very, very kind. And he was just like, this is the situation. This is what's going on. I was like, oh okay Okay. great and so it just opened up the conversation and being being again from more from the business side going let me answer any concerns you have like what are the concerns that you have it's like great so let's let's attack it that way so let's look at it that way it's like my concern is this i was like okay so let's let's attack that concern and then that conversation allowed me to understand what the concerns were in the room and not just um so yes I went in with my idea of the character but also just address the room like really yeah. dealing with the room and dealing with the like one specific person is closed off and you go huh okay I wonder why they're closed off let's ask that person a question and go are you getting what you need is there anything that you want um from this you're not seeing because I'm I'm getting the impression there might be something else that you want to see you know in a in a diplomatic way to open up the and and uh, I finished it off the director was laughing as I laughed and he was just like I think i think you won the room and right. uh, sure enough got the part filmed and, uh... and
1: well, i think that's history yeah, yeah that's yeah it's a good note that like sometimes you have to just like humanize the audition process it's like okay it's a collaboration we're working mm-hmm. together here like i'm here take your time with me but like let's talk about it you yeah. know but i think that also comes with a lot of experience and confidence like i don't think that may not land with like <laughs> a theater grad, you know, <laughs> I think that,
0: yeah, that yeah. yeah. Cute, so.
1: it takes courage to say like, yes. okay,
0: so am I not delivering what you need? What is it mm-hmm. that you're looking for? Okay, yeah. let's try, you know, cause that's, that's hard to do. Right. And then if they're like, nah, still not it going, okay, what else can we do? <laughs> you know, yep. like if yeah, they're dead else? set on not wanting you and you're like, yeah. Got more of my sleeve, let's drive this.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, but that was it For me, at that point, you have nothing to lose, too. And yeah. There was no, no, There is no animosity. It was just like, I really want to know, like, what do we need? Like, what do you, what yeah, do you love need? That. Let, me, let me help you.
1: And Thank much. you so much for doing this. It was great talking to you.
2: My pleasure. Great talking to the two of you as well. We will see each other live soon. Hopefully.
0: Yeah. So for today's takeaways, one, arts will always be there for you. Two, having a background in anything helps. Three, every year is a hustle. And four, treat acting as a business. Focus your energy where you'll get a return. Thanks, everybody. Bye, Bye. If you're enjoying this podcast, we would really appreciate it if you could take a moment
1: to support us. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. You can share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and follow us on social media at Book The Room Podcast. We put out episodes weekly, so subscribe to the shows to get notified.